notice that we're getting more crowded. This is, we just started here in September. We just signed the lease for this place, but thank God we can get out of it. <laughs> I just made sure that we could get out of it. Let's see, your, your pastors and leaders are smart. <laughs> so we can get out of it anytime. Um, we'll just have to give a two months le uh, advance notice. But please give generously so that we can expand. We have no money, we cannot expand. <laughs> then we're all going to be here like jam packed. Um, I spoke at a conference and the, uh, the room filled 300, and I think there was like 500 people when Sonia and I did a, were speaking. And then people were sitting on the floor, and I felt bad for them. It was like during winter, and they were sitting on the, like, the cement floor. We don't want that, do we? <laughs> That'd be kind of cool, though, actually. <laughs> people sitting on the floor. Yeah, maybe we'll wait till people are sitting on the floor, and then we'll move. What do you think about that? Good? You <laughs> what was happening right there? <laughs> Everybody good? My title today is called God's Antidote. Amen to that. God has an antidote for every problem in the world. You guys okay? <laughs> That's when you're supposed to say yes. There's always a redemptive solution to every single problem in the world. Right? There are no hopeless situations, just people who got hopeless in them. Amen. I think some of you are tired because I'm tired too. So this is a time for you guys need to wake me up. The woman had some kind of like fellowship last <laughs> day. And they know very well I cannot sleep unless my wife comes home. <laughs> Not because I'm worried that something's going to happen to her. I just can't sleep. <laughs> like I need her. It doesn't, she's like, go to bed. Go to bed. We're, you know, don't worry. We're, just go to bed, honey. I cannot. <laughs> I just need, like, I need to touch her arm, touch something. And then um, she's like, but we're praying for each other. It's 12, 12 o'clock. <laughs> It's midnight. What are you guys doing right now? Okay, fine. What am I supposed to say? Don't pray for each other. <laughs> stop the prayer right now. Stop blessing. Will you stop blessing each other? Come home right now. And she came home. It was one, like 1 o'clock. And then she was like, honey, you know what? And I said, I don't want. <laughs> Just go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. Get ready. Get ready for bed. She takes about 20 minutes. Get ready for bed. I'll be in the, I'll be in the bed. Because I can't go until she's like doing her make, like getting rid of everything. And then finally she's in bed. And then the lights are on. She's like, you know, tonight we're playing. I'm like, honey. Mm-hmm. I'm a good husband. Like 10 minutes. Mm-mm. So good. That's so good. Can you turn off the lights? Hold my hand. That's what happened. That's what happened last night. 1.30 and I woke up by 6.30. I'm like, what in the world is happening? Because I'm old. I can't see past 6.30. All right. That was a little wake-me-up joke. That wasn't a joke. That that's reality. That's what happened to me last night. So I've been talking about this idea of fathering and mothering, and I've been doing um, a series in Saba. It's called the Saba School. I want to call it the Saba Company, whatever it's, it's going to call it. I want to make some swag. So Jeremy... Make some good swag for us that doesn't cost <laughs> one thousand dollars. 
<laughs> so, you know, Saba School, something, Saba Company. I want to, it's like, you know, Saba is a combination of words, S-A-B-A, which is the army, the army of God, and Abba, which is, uh, we call, our ch children call God our Abba, our daddy. So it's the children of God call, called into the army of God, Saba School. Isn't that a great name? I know it's from God because he came to me without thinking. <laughs> Sabbath school, yes. So I've been doing this, and um, we've been talking about Malachi turning the hearts of the father, Malachi, Malachi 4 turning the hearts of the father and, uh, to, and the children to the fathers, and the spirit of Elijah, and we talked about the spirit of Elijah being John the Baptist, pointing the way to Jesus. That was what I was attempting to say last week. I don't know if it was very clear. But this week is going to be very clear because I am going to talk about Elijah himself. You guys excited? Now, this is a, my life message. I know I say that a lot. <laughs> but really, this one is it. This is it. This is my life. When you read Elijah, you'll be like, oh, that's Steve. That's what happened to him. So everybody knows about Elijah if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, I'll just sum it up really quick without reading all the... Bible passages, Elijah wanted to confront all the prophets of Baal. You guys know this? So there's Ahab, uh, like a bad king, and there was Jezebel, who was manipulating Ahab and deceiving him, and Jezebel wanted to kill all the prophets of God. The Jezebel spirit is still prevalent in our world today, wanting to kill the messengers of God that speak truth. We call that Canceling people. <laughs> Got a little political there, but anyways. <laughs> so there is a spirit there. And Elijah said, okay, you guys bring all your prophets. You come and you do whatever you want. And then they had an altar. They, they had sacrifices. And then you guys know the story. Elijah just, they were all cutting themselves. And, you know, just worshiping their God bow and hoping that fire would come and consume their sacrifice. And you know the story. Elijah simply prayed and fire came. <laughs> Revival happened, hopefully. Everybody's like, wow, God is real. God, Yahweh, is the one. And then so that's where we come to. First Kings 19, Ahab, verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Ahab saw this, the king, and he ran to Jezebel and said, oh my gosh, Elijah's God is the real God. Right? He had killed all the prophets with the sword, and Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, and so Elijah is thinking, this Jezebel is if finally she's going to repent. Because I have shown Jezebel who is God. Undeniable miracle, supernatural power, demonstration of his goodness. There's no way Jezebel is not going to turn. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as a life of one of those by this time tomorrow, then he was afraid. Can everybody say, then he was afraid? El Can everybody say, he was afraid? <laughs> Elijah, the guy who confronted all the prophets, and he was so brave and courageous, the lone guy. It's like, it's like renting out Rogers Stadium, Rogers Arena, inviting all the atheists in Vancouver and I will demonstrate to you once and for all that God is real. And he just, 
Bring some, bring some offerings. Bring your cell phones or whatever. Bring it up to the front, and I will zap it all right now. And then God does it, and people are like, wow. And you would think that people in power would say, God is real. And the premier Horgan will worship God or whoever. You know, the powers that be that says, hey, I'm not saying premier Horgan is Jezebel. You know, I'm not saying that. I need to be careful what I say. You guys following what I'm saying? And he thought for sure, this he had, he thought for sure this is going to happen. He thought, we're finally going to get revival. We're finally going to get people to worship God. And Jezebel said, hell no. You killed all my prophets, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah, this brave man, said, oh, I'm afraid. And he started running away. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. You guys following what I'm saying? One moment, he's like, fire! Next moment, oh, I'm afraid. <laughs> this one little Jezebel woman says, hey, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, okay, I'm out of here. It's like a cartoon. What is happening here? What is happening? What is going on? And then he gets burnt out. He goes into the desert, and he tells God, I am no good. I am no better. I want to die. He, he's so depressed that he wants to commit suicide. And God has to send the messenger. He doesn't say, say anything. The messenger just says, eat food. And see, some, how, do you, how, many, how many guys know when you're going through some kind of mental, mental health issues, sometimes you just need to sleep <laughs> and eat good food so you can have the right mind to talk it out. And then afterwards, God says, come to Mount Horeb so I can talk to you. And then at Mount Horeb, he says, what are you doing here? How many guys know God already knows what he's doing, why he's doing there? But what, why does God ask him, what are you doing here? As if God doesn't know. It's a very interesting point. He believes revival is going to happen in one day. Everything's going to change. My life is going to change. Everything's going to happen in one day. That's the difference between anticipation and expectation. When you expect an outcome of your choosing and you use God, did you hear what I just said? And you use the principles of God to manifest an outcome, and then you have an expectation, that's a speedway to burnout. Because we are not supposed to expect, we anticipate. Anticipation is... We know that God is a good God. There is no picture that we are outlining for him that he must manifest in our lives a certain way. We anticipate a good God that will do it his way. We only see in part, but he knows the whole. So that's how we know that we can, we can persevere in our obedience. If you expect something and you're using God and you're using principles to manifest an outcome, your obedience will be temporary. And you will surely give up. Anybody hearing what I'm saying right now? You guys feel me? You guys? That's how you get disappointed. Because you had a picture of what he should do. When God is demanding that you just obey. Because he has the big picture. But he wants you to have a vision of a good father that knows what he's doing. Feeling responsible for an outcome 
when you're all you are responsible is obedience. I thought that was a good, that was a good one. <laughs> Burnout happens when you're feeling responsible for an outcome when all you are responsible for is obedience. Most of us are our own messiahs and heroes. We just placate Jesus. We just kind of give Jesus platitudes. You are the Messiah. You're the Savior, but we're the Savior. We're the, we're the hero complex. I teach courses at Trinity. I just taught this to my non-Christian students. I said, you guys are the heroes of your own lives. Sangi, sociologist, said, you are in the hero complex. And then they were like, what is that? They were very curious. And I was talking about, don't be a hero in any organization or any business because you alone cannot save. You alone. That's what Elijah said. I alone was the one, only one, when he, there was Obadiah, was Obadiah's. <laughs> there were prophets, he was like, but he was saying, I'm al I alone can save the world. That's what he was thinking. That's a hero complex. When you say, get away, get out, God, get, get out of my way, I alone know what to do. That's when you're headed for a big fall. Because you alone do not have the power to control your lives. If life was a movie, they made a movie about your life, made a movie about Steve, <laughs> life of Steve Kim. Who is the hero of your movie? Are you, do you come into the movie and go, get out. I am here to save you, Becca. <laughs> Big S on my chest. <laughs> I'm here to save you. <laughs> Are you the hero? As a believer, the hero is Jesus. In your movie, just think about your life, your movie. How many times are you getting in the way? When Jesus is like, let me shine. <laughs> I alone can save my life. Just tell me what to do. <laughs> Give me some principles. You substitute the very presence of God for principles. In that way, you are, you are trying to create a false intimacy with principles rather than the presence. You will surely get disappointed when you use this Bible as a manual for principles. Because God surely did not die so that you can have like a Bible, chicken soup for the soul. So you can like, <laughs> Proverbs, I just do this, 10 steps. Oh, my life is good. Surely God did not die. He died so that these words could be the very words and the presence. The he sent the Holy Spirit so that it was his very presence would be in, in your life. Amen? Oh, shoot, that was just my introduction. Elijah said, it's enough. If you read forward, he said, this is enough. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. The word enough in the Hebrew is rad. Rad. doesn't mean it's rad. It means, I just aged myself by saying that. <laughs> rad. It's too much. In the Hebrew, it means it's too much. It's more than I can handle. 
That's how you know surely you are in control of your life because you, you think that there's a certain amount that you can handle when God only gives you what you can handle. It's enough. I've had it. I'm done. This is, this is my limit. If you are relying on some principles to get you through, surely you'll be done. You're fried. You're toast. Because those don't work. You tried everything. It doesn't work. And then you say, forget it. I'm gone. This Christianity thing is not working. You know, how many people, how many of your friends have walked away from Christianity? I don't believe in Jesus anymore. I don't want, you know why? Because they were worshiping principles, not the very presence of God. Because if you worship the presence of God, you are never done. It's never over. Do not leave the movie in the middle of the story because you think you know the ending. It's never done. Because we're, we're not counting on results. We're counting on the very presence. And we're depending on relationship with him. Amen? So, get to the meat of my sermon. Jezebel causes confusion. It's just, just a symbol. Jezebel is just a symbol. She wants to silence truth, silence the prophets, and deceive and bewitch people. And that's what Paul says to Galatians, even to Peter, the apostle Peter himself, who has bewitched you, who has deceived you, that your mind is so cluttered and confused. How many guys know that we're living in a confusing kind of state of time right now? There's so many truths and alternate to my truth, your truth, people. That is the Jezebel spirit in the air to confuse you. If there's so many truths, so many things and opinions, the truth gets diluted. That's the spirit of the enemy trying to confuse you. Isaiah 5.20, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Basically, Isaiah is basically saying, Hey, woe to all those people. One day there will be a judgment who call good evil and evil good. When people are actually confused and start to really think, I thought that was white, but you say it's yellow, I don't know anymore. Tyler's wearing a white shirt. Tyler's like, no, it's not. It's yellow. <laughs> That's white. No, it's not. It's yellow. You got to get your eyes checked. Don't you think it's yellow? Don't you? And he turns to Christy and t Christy, don't you think it's yellow? Ye Christy's like, maybe. I don't want to offend him. <laughs> if he thinks it's yellow, it's yellow. <laughs> then I start getting confused. That's the spirit of the age. Can somebody say amen to that? And it says that word put, who put bitter for sweet. That word in Hebrew actually can mean to set upright instead of prostrate. To be filled with pride that you set upright so that everybody can see this is what is right. Haughty, prideful. And then it could also mean to beget children. So Jezebel's spirit is birthing children, generations that's going to be confused in double portion. You think it's going to get better one day a new generation will come? Yes. My whole fathers and mothers were wrong. I know the <laughs> truth. No, they're going to be even more confused. 
it's getting worse and worse, not better and better. And then it could also mean to set an army in place. So the, the spirit of darkness is always a counterfeit, counterfeit spirit. When God is creating an army of his children, the spirit of the air is creating an army of deception. They don't know they're in the army. Just falling into truth. And Elijah fell into this deception because he's not thinking in his right mind. Why do you think, fire, there is only one God? Jezebel says, I will kill you. Oh my goodness, I want to die. That's deception. That's what happens. So it's not just, it's just not rational. Sometimes people are thinking not rational. It's not just you. It's the spirit of the air that's causing oppressive spirit in your life. Why is there so much despair and depression? Under 18, 49% of kids. They're still kids going through some mental health issues. It's not just our environment. There's something in the spirit that needs to be destroyed because they're not thinking clearly. They're confused. They're aimless. There is no North Star. There is no mountain to direct them, the mountain of God to direct them. Oh, I just need to go where the mountain is. Everything looks the same, so they're lost. Somebody, I'm not mad. I'm just passionate. We need to get rid of the spirit. What is the antidote? God's antidote. I don't, I don't teach like this at school. I do, actually, a little bit. One of my students, I had an in-person class this week, and I was like, I was so excited. Don't be a hero, guys. And then the people were like. A side story, one of the students said, but wasn't Jesus the hero? You're saying it like it's bad, but wasn't Jesus the hero? Was that bad? Do you really want to know? He said, yes. And I got to share the gospel. You can be a hero if you can deliver. But you can't deliver. <laughs> they actually, I said, now take a break. And they, they got up, and then the girl clapped. <laughs> they literally clapped for my lecture. <laughs> What's God's antidote? There are two messengers that came. Jezebel sent the messenger. Tell that guy he's going to die. And then God himself sent the messenger. In your life, there will always be two messengers. You guys hearing what I'm saying? You know that little picture of the devil and angel? It's actually true. Whenever you're going through a situation, there will always be two messengers vying for your attention. Jezebel sends a messenger of death. Yahweh sends a messenger of life. Who are you going to listen to? And what does God do? This is so good. Oh, my gosh. This is so good. Uh, you're going you're gonna to get blown away for this one. Now, you have to listen really carefully. I know some of you are tired, but you're going to go, this is going to be so good. Angel cake makes cake on stones. Okay? The angel, Eli God sent Elijah an angel to cook him some stones, hot coal stones. You guys following me? Elijah's in the desert. <laughs> Messenger of God comes. 
and makes him some bread on stone. Coal. The only other time in the Old Testament that that word for stone is used is in Isaiah 6.6 when God touched Isaiah coal on his lips and his lips were purified. You guys following what I'm saying? (laughs) God sends an angel, cooks bread, which is our food, the word of life, on stones. And that stone is only used one other time in Isaiah 6.6 to purify our lips. And then God asks Elijah, what are you doing here? Because God is not curious about what he's actually doing there. I wonder what happened. Jesus, angels, what happened? I was kind of taking a nap. I don't know what happened here. What's going on? No, why does he say, why? What are you doing here? Because he wants Elijah to confess the words of life. It's not enough for you to think truth. You have to speak truth. There's power of life and death in your tongue. Jesus did not think his way out of the desert when Jesus, when the enemy tempted him. He actually spoke. Elijah was in the desert. Whenever you are in the desert, God brings the bread of life to purify your lips so that you may confess. That's an antidote. Then he says, you guys okay? This is good stuff. (laughs) Then he says, go to Mount Horeb. is actually very kind of cruel for somebody who's suffering mental health, tired and fatigued in the desert, gives them some food and sleep and said, now do a 40-day trek to Mount Horeb. (laughs) (laughs) You want me to hike up a mountain? (laughs) God said, yeah, go up the mountain. Same mountain that many scholars believe is the Mount Sinai where Moses got the commandments. We have to learn from the people in the past. That's what the fathers and mothers are there for. So that you learn from their mistakes. Not just, nobody's perfect. I tell my kids, please, I have given you a shortcut. Please take the shortcut. Why do you have to go the long way? That is sinful. That's missing the mark. That's you thinking, don't worry, I got it. I am the hero. I know what I'm doing. I just told you, I did that before, and then it cost me so much. It, I suffered. If you just go this way, you would not suffer. God says, learn from Moses. You know what happened to him? He goes to the mountain, 
same spot where Moses got the Ten Commandments, the law. And Elijah goes to that same mountain, and he hides under the cleft inside the rock. And the Bible says Jesus is our rock of salvation. He is our rock, Romans 9. So God is saying something to Elijah. What are you doing here? What is happening? He's saying, I was the only one. Nobody else is there. I've been zealous for you, and you did not deliver. Jesus, God, wherever you are, what happened here? And God is saying, he doesn't say anything. He goes into the cleft, and there's thunder, and there's, there's lightning, there's Everything, and then he doesn't hear. He didn't hear any of that. All he heard was just a gentle whisper. God whispers. God whispers, Elijah. Elijah. (laughs) What? Elijah. What did you say? Elijah, come here. What? He whispers so that Elijah will come very close to his heart. Sometimes when you think God is not loud and he's screaming at you, he's whispering, I can't hear, because he wants you to go dig deep and closer to his heart. And then he doesn't say anything. Here's a solution for it. He says, go, anoint Elijah, Elisha, Jehu. There's Obadiahs over there. Go, do your work. Now, get this point. What is the antidote? Listening to the words of God confessing, but what is the antidote to the world's problems? What is the antidote? Moses brought the law. Elijah is learning how to love. The five commandments is about love for God, and the other five is for our love for people. Elijah thought that he could do it all alone. When he recognized, finally, God is saying, you cannot do it all alone. You must go and impart your heart to Elijah, and we will see that later. You must become a father, and Elijah must become your son. Transfiguration of Jesus. I know this is really theological. I got really theological this week. Is that okay? I I can't just give you simple messages because... (laughs) They'll be boring for me. (laughs) Jesus in the transfiguration, when he got transfigured into his glorified state, and then people like people were like, he only he he brought Peter, and then you see Elijah and Moses on that same mountain. Jesus being our rock on that mountain. The law and love. It's not just about what to do, it's about who you do it to. Loving. See, Elijah made this mistake. He mistook his assignment as his ultimate destiny. He thought bringing fire down, that was his ultimate goal in life. No, that was just an assignment, Elijah. A lot of us mistake our assignments for our purpose and destiny. You mistake your job for your destiny. That's not your destiny. You guys even know what your destiny is? 
your destiny is all wrapped up on people. As a church, we're not here to build programs, create events, spectacular light shows, smoke coming from the ground, make it feel like it's heaven. All those things are good. I I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I get choked. (laughs) It's just like a little choke. My throat gets scratchy when there's smoke, too much smoke, but I I don't mind it. I don't mind it. You're trying to create heaven's atmosphere. It's fine. It's fine. You can rent out Rogers Arena. You can th- I've gone to conferences. I've gone to revival meetings. I've gone to retreats. I've gone to all these things. Those are just assignments. Fire coming down. People are blown away. Greatest speaker ever. Ah, worship. Everybody's worshiping. Yes, this is the greatest ever. And then you go home and do the same thing. <laughs> As you did yesterday. Because you mistake the assignment... For your destiny, your destiny is always wrapped up in people. We are intricately wrapped, knitted together. You cannot find your ultimate purpose if you are not giving out. If you are hoarding and taking in, you will not find your purpose. Maybe you'll get wrapped up in your assignment thinking that's your destiny and your assignment will be wrapped up all about me, myself, and I. But this life is not all about you. It's about people. And God says to Elijah, go back and build people. Go and put some of your spirit on Elisha. Go and anoint Jehu. See Obadiah? There's 500 prophets there. Go, go with those guys. That is the antidote to the world's problems. Can you guys hear what I'm saying? You understand the words coming out of my mouth? Let me say it very clearly. The antidote to the problems of the world is when people get together and really understand what it means to be in a company or a family and they actually start loving people. And they invest their life into building people. (sighs) Can I hear an amen to that? (laughs) I'm like... I hear the angel saying, amen, Steve. (laughs) Can you join with heaven? Some of you guys are like, that's so confident. You're so confident. This is Because it's not my words. It's the words of God. (laughs) Elijah, come into the rock and learn what it means to be so intimate with me and truly understand the Father's heart and pass that down to Elijah. Come into the rock. Hear my whisper and teach people what it means to be intimate with the Father, Father God. And then the world will change. And they will no longer be orphans. Vladimir Putin, an orphan spirit, trying to take over and hoard and playing the world like it's a game. Where does that come from? I told my students this. Where do you think that happens? Why do you think that happens? Because they want land? No, it's because there's a spirit an orphan spirit that wants to prove. That wants to take. 
It wants to hoard, and we all have that spirit. The antidote is to give, to release, to bless. Amen? All right. Why don't we stand? Somebody come and carry the keyboard. I don't know about you guys, but I was blessed listening to myself. <laughs> wow. There's some good notes here. <laughs> if nothing else happened, I was, I'm like, I'm blessed myself. I need to hear this. Who are you listening to? Number one. Maybe some of your friends, quote unquote, friends are not messengers of God. They're me maybe they're messengers of Jezebel. You need to shut your ears. Doesn't mean you cut them off or ghost them. You need to have filters. And then you need to confess what is true. What is God saying? wants to purify your lips. And he wants for you to come out of yourself. That was a lesson in Sabbath school this week. This life is not just about you. It's about giving away. And the more you give away, the more you find your purpose. If you have trouble finding like joy in your work, try to get to the root of the root. Why am I here in the first place? If it's to make money, to get promoted, you will feel empty. Trust me, you will feel empty. But if it's the root of the root, even if you're working at McDonald's and it is to love people who are in front of you and serve them with all your heart, with the love of the Father, then you will find joy. About giving. Moses gave the law. Elijah learned how to love people with the law. Moses and Elijah. Amen. Let's lift up our hands as we're, as like as a symbol we're giving. Give to the world. The world tells you, have some self-care. I believe in self-care, yes. But there is a spirit behind that. Just, it's all about me. If I don't feel good, it's about me, my job, my life. What, what's going wrong with me? All those things. Yes, those are important and we share and all those things. But at the end of the day, the root of the root is that, that God is a giver, not taker. God is a giver, not taker. And if we want to get intimate with him, we need to learn how to give away, give away our lives. To be blessed and bless. Let the blessings flow through your life. What comes in, what goes out. Comes in, what goes out. That's what we call the overflow of his spirit. So we thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in our lives. We thank you, God, that you are our daddy, you are our father. We love you, Papa. We thank you, Lord, that you always have an antidote. You have a solution to the world's problems. It sounds so simple, 
Raise up sons and daughters. Impart your spirit. Teach them how to be intimate. Teach them how to give, give away. Teach them that this life is not just about them. So simple. And if the whole world was like that, imagine what the world would be like. That is heaven on earth. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 All right.